I have probably told you guys on multiple occasions at this point <clears throat> that uh, the book of James is one of my favorite books of the Bible. It's, it's, it's uh, <clears throat> not just the New Testament, but the entirety of Scripture. It's just one of those that really stands out to me, and it's one of those that, uh, that I appreciate deeply for a number of reasons. And uh, first and foremost, James is traditionally known and believed to have been the half-brother of Jesus. He was the natural son of uh, Joseph and Mary. And I tend to believe that James probably knew a lot about his brother, seeing as how they grew up side by side together. He probably knew how Jesus was. He probably had a deeper relationship, I would suspect. I don't know this for a fact. Probably better than the rest of the apostles, seeing as how they grew up together. So I tend to put a lot of stock in the book of James. But the other thing about the book of James is that it's a challenge. It's a challenge for me, and it's a challenge to all Christians because it calls out a lot of times our hypocrisy. It calls out our hypocrisy and it calls out our failure to live, honestly, up to Christ's standards. And, uh, and I like that. I like that because, it, it challenge, again, it challenges me, and it should. Christianity should be a challenge because it's a growth process. I don't want to get stagnant where I am in my relationship with Christ. And I don't want to get stagnant in my, in my spiritual growth. So that's why these passages are there, and that's why I appreciate them very, very, very deeply. One of them that stands out to me all the time, and, and, I've, and I've, I've kept this one very, very close to me for the last number of years, is James chapter 5, and especially verse 16. Uh, as James writes this letter to the church, he wrapped, he's, he's getting toward the end of his letter. And y'all don't have to look at it right now if you don't want to. <clears throat> I'm just going to read it to you. But it's right there towards the end of the book, and, and uh, it's chapter 5, and the verse I'm specifically going to quote is, is verse 16. Actually, no, I'm going to read you a few verses. A few verses, 13, 13 through, uh, 13 through 16. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. <clears throat> and this is the part I really want to stress. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Now here's the part that I want to really drive home for our purposes today. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I don't know how many times I've spoken on the, uh, on the subject of, of, uh, of confession. I know that I have at least once or twice, probably more than that, as much as I like to talk about it. But I think confession is very important. I don't, I don't think confession is necessarily... Confession is not just a private matter. And I think that we really do ourselves a great injustice when we solely make it a private matter. No, nobody likes to admit their sins in front of anybody else. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it kind of crazy a little bit that we're much more comfortable confessing our sins to God Almighty than we are another person? Why are we more comfortable confessing our sins to the creator of the universe than with a human being? Just a thought. 
but confession is important to us. And again, we do ourselves a great disservice and a great injustice when we fail to uh, recognize and confess our sins to another person. It says it right there in the book of James. Confess your sins to one another so that you may be what? Healed. With confession comes healing. With confession comes healing. With confession comes repentance. With confession comes that 180 degree turn that I talk about so very often where we do experience that level of spiritual growth. And it doesn't have to be huge. I'm not asking anybody. I never would ask anybody to, to come to the altar and, 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 and air out all your dirty laundry to your church. But I definitely would encourage you to confess your sins to somebody. Sometimes what we do in the church is we confess our sins to each other. Maybe not our dirtiest of laundry, but you guys know that every time that we pray the communion liturgy, we confess our sins. We say that we failed to be an obedient church. We failed to love you. And we fail to hear the cry of the needy. That's a prayer of confession that we do communally. What we're going to be doing today is a prayer of confession and a prayer of repentance again as a community, as a local body of Christ. This is called a covenant renewal service. And uh, you can find the liturgy that we're going to use in your pews if you haven't picked it up and noticed it already. And you may recall that we did this last year. And if you have been at this church for any number of years, you have probably did it at least on one or two occasions long before I arrived. Because it's a very prominent service. It's a very recognizable service in the Methodist tradition. We can trace the, the origins of this covenant renewal service all the way back to 1775. That's when John Wesley first wrote about holding this covenant renewal service with a congregation at a church uh, in London, actually. It is a distinctive practice of the Methodist denomination, and it's generally celebrated, most times, it's generally celebrated the Sunday closest, or the Sunday prior to New Year's Day, or New Year's Eve, or actually on New Year's Day itself. But the basic premise of it is that it's just a time for us to renew our commitment to Christ. As the body of Christ, as, as, as a church family, it's a time to renew our commitment to God. It's a time of personal reflection, and it's a time of corporate communal reflection. It's a time of communal repentance. And again, it's a time to recommit ourselves to the gospel, to recommit ourselves to Christ. It is a service <clears throat> that John Wesley particularly loved uh, because he said that he experienced himself and he witnessed himself so some very powerful movements of God during his time that happened when they would hold these services. I particularly love this service as well. <clears throat> because again, I value the art of confession. I value the art of confession a lot. Because regardless of whether you may not think it, your pastor isn't perfect. Nor will I ever claim to be perfect. Not a lot of pastors will tell you this, but I struggle with sin. I struggle with irritability. I struggle with all kind of forms of self-righteousness. I struggle with all kind of forms of self-centeredness. I struggle with all kind of forms of internal and unfortunately, which sometimes happens, external anger that is not holy and that is not righteous. I fail as a husband. 
I fail as a dad. I fail as a pastor and I fail as a Christian. I fail when I am unable or when I am unwilling to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I fail when I'm unable or unwilling to love my neighbor as myself. I don't enjoy telling you guys that stuff. Because aren't preachers supposed to be perfect? <laughs> I don't like telling you that to a degree. But I have to. I have to tell you guys these things. Because, again, I believe in the art and the practice of confession. John Wesley also believed in a doctrine or an idea of Christian perfection. And uh, it's an idea that I happen to believe in, too. It's, uh, it's not exactly what it sounds like. But basically, Wesley believed that we can grow so much in our relationship with Jesus that, that, that at some point, it's, it's the idea of sanctification. It's, it's that... that, that ongoing growth process. But Wesley believed that, that, that some people could eventually reach this point where they had absolutely no desire whatsoever to sin, whether in mind, word, or deed. And uh, it's, it's this idea that, that, that we're able to grow in near perfect love for God and one another. And I don't know a whole lot of people that I could say that actually have achieved that, but I do think it's possible, just like Wesley did. However, I know that I ain't there yet. And I'm nowhere close. And that's why I need these practices. That's why we all need these practices. We need to evaluate ourselves. We need to confess our sins. We need to repent. And the fact of the matter is, I know I will never get to that point unless I do these things. That's why God gives us these practices. That's why God gives us these disciplines so that we can grow in Christ's likeness. And I know without them, I'm not going to get there, but I want to. And that's why we have these covenant renewal services. That's why we have these corporate or these communal renewal services where we confess our sins. And again, I'm not going to ask anybody to stand up and air your dirty laundry out, but this is why we do this. We confess our sins to and with one another. And we recommit, particularly here at the beginning of a new year, to Christ. And we recommit ourselves and our hearts and our motives and our actions to our church family, to our brothers and our sisters. So as we go through this, I'm going to ask you to do something. I love, I love liturgical services. I love... Um, doing these histo very historical practices of the ancient church. This is one that's been around for about 400 years. But I want to ask you to do something, and I'm going to read through this pretty slowly. If you are able, if you are willing, if you want to, don't feel like I'm forcing you to do anything you don't want to do. And if you don't want to recite this stuff, don't recite it by all means. You're not going to offend me. But if you feel led to do so, don't just read this. Don't just read this thing as, as empty 
words, stuff that we're just saying without meaning. Think about what you're saying. Think about what these words say. Think about what these words mean. And as we're going through it, evaluate your own hearts. Evaluate your own actions throughout the last year. Throughout, evaluate your words. Evaluate your relationships with other people. Evaluate your relationship with God. And pray these words. If you mean it, if you're sincere, I would encourage you to actually pray these. And again, not just read them as, as rote. But actually pray them and offer them as a sincere commitment to God. Brothers and sisters, the Christian life is a life that is found in Christ. Redeemed from sin and consecrated to God. We are those who have entered into this life and have been admitted into the new covenant of Jesus Christ who sealed that covenant with his own blood so that it would last forever. There are times in our lives when it's important to remember and to reaffirm our promises and our vows. And in the same way, we come today to renew our covenant with God. Many generations have done this before us. And today we make the covenant our own Renewing with both joy and sincerity the covenant that binds us all to God. We are those who seek to live as true disciples of Jesus Christ, but sometimes fall short. So let us now examine ourselves before God, humbly confessing our sins and submitting our own hearts so that we do not deceive ourselves. And cut ourselves away from God. Let us pray. Father God, you have set forth the way of life through your Son, Jesus Christ. We shamefully confess that we have been slow to learn of him and have been reluctant to follow him. You have spoken and called to us, but we have not listened. You have stretched out your hands to us through our friends, but we have passed by them. We have accepted your gifts and offered little things. We are unworthy of your unchanging love. And we now confess our sins. Please forgive us for the poverty of our worship, for the selfishness of our prayers for our inconsistency and our unbelief, for the ways that we neglect fellowship and your grace, for our hesitation to tell others about Christ, and for the ways that we deceive others. Forgive us for when we waste time and when we misuse the gifts you have given us. Forgive us for when we have made excuses for the wrong things we have done and when we have purposely avoided responsibility. Forgive us that we have been unwilling to overcome evil with good and that we have not been ready to carry our cross. 
Forgive us that we have not allowed your love to work through us to help others. Forgive us for those times when instead of working for unity, we made it hard for others to live with us because of our own lack of forgiveness, inconsiderate judgment, and quick criticism. Forgive us when we have not tried to reconcile with others and we have been slow to seek redemption. Forgive us also for these sins that we silently confess to you now. God, the Father of all mercies, is faithful to cleanse us from our sins and to restore us to Christ's image. Praise and glory be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let us gather here before the Lord now in covenant, commit ourselves to Christ as his servants. Let us give ourselves to him so that we may fully belong to him. Jesus Christ, we offer you this prayer. Let me be your servant. Let me follow your commands. I will no longer follow my own desires. I give myself completely to your will. The power and the strength to live as true servants is given to us in Christ. We accept the, that, that place and work that he gives us, acknowledging that he alone will be our reward. I am not my own. I am yours alone. Make me into what you will. Rank me with those you will. Put me to use for you. Put me to suffering for you. Let me be employed for you. Let me be lay aside for you. Let me be lifted high for you. Let me be brought low for you. Let me be full or let me be empty. Let me have all things or let me have nothing. With a willing heart, I freely give everything pleasure, and disposal. Christ is Savior to those who are His true servants. He is the source of all salvation to those who obey. To be His servant is to consent fully to His will. Christ will be all in all, or He will be nothing. Now confirm this truth in holy covenant. Make it a reality in your life in these ways. First, set apart time in your day, more than once, to be spent alone with the Lord. Seek to perceive God's special care for you and His gracious acceptance of you. Carefully think through the words of this covenant and its conditions. 
Examine your heart, even if you have freely given your life to Christ. Name the sins in your life. Reflect on whether you are willing to choose Christ's holy laws and His strict commands. Be sure you are clear in all of these so that you do not lie to God. Second, uphold a serious spirit of holy awe and reverence. Third, claim God's covenant. Do not trust in your own strength and power, but rely upon God's promise of giving grace and strength. In this way, He will empower you to keep your promise. Fourth, be determined to be faithful. You have given your heart and your life to God. You have opened your mouth to dedicate yourself to the Lord. With God's power, never go back to your former way of living. And last, be prepared to renew your covenant with God. Fall on your knees, lift up your hands, open your hearts. Let us pray together. My righteous God, for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, see me now as I bow down before you. Forgive my unfaithfulness when I have not done your will. You promise mercy if I turn to you with my whole heart. God requires that we rid ourselves of every idol in our lives. From the bottom of my heart, I here and now renounce every idol in my life. By turning against your will, I have turned my love toward the world. In your power, I will watch for any temptation that will lead me away from you. Through Jesus Christ, God offers to be your God again, if you allow him to be. Before all heaven and earth, I here and now acknowledge you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as my Lord and God. I vow to give myself body and soul, to be your servant and to serve you in holiness and righteousness all the days of my life. Christ has told you that you must suffer with him. Jesus, I here and now make this covenant with you and accept whatever comes in life. Through your grace, I promise that neither life nor death will separate me from you. God has given holy laws as the rule of your life. I here and now take on your yoke and burden. All your laws are holy, just, and good. I accept them as the rule for my words, thoughts, and actions, promising I will strive to order my whole life around your direction. And Almighty God searches and knows us, even the thoughts of our hearts. Oh God, you know that we have made this covenant today in sincerity, without deceit or reluctance. If you find anything false in us, guide us and help us to set it right. May this covenant that I have made here on earth be ratified in heaven. Amen. And may our God who establishes covenant relationship with those who seek to enter the kingdom be with you always.